0: When I was a a teenager, a lot of weekends were spent over at uh, Easington, which is uh, a place near Sladeburn. My father was a member of the uh, Burnley Archaeological Society, and there was a dig at Easington. And most weekends were spent there camping, and they had a Easington brook as it it came through these fields. And I spent hours and hours either building dams or, or just messing around creating a stone stacks there, I think. And that was uh, many years ago. I'm uh, Philippe. I'm a full-time artist and designer currently live in Rubble Valley, Simonstone. I've been here four years. Uh, moved from High Ford, prior to that uh, at but, but I guess fundamentally I'm um, only Pendle born and bred. Initially, Always enjoyed uh, drawing and art all through all level and a level. I had the same art teacher as well, which was um, quite key, I think, to me as pursuing my final career. I attended a summer art school at Burnley College when I was young, which introduced me to those facilities and lectures there when I ultimately did an art foundation course at Burnley College. I discovered there was other aspects to being an artist. uh, Until that point, I guess, I I assumed I'd do illustration or graphics. I enjoyed drawing. I'd uh, I'd always drawn, and particularly focusing on wildlife, drawing everything from a pet cat to wild animals. I just drew constantly. So I guess a natural progression would have been to be an illustrator. But during my uh, year at uh, our foundation course at Burnley College, we had a guest speaker who was an industrial designer. Never heard of that profession before. And um, he actually changed my view in, in terms of what I wanted to do. It wasn't just about the drawing process it was um working on concepts ideas development and ultimately making models and i always enjoyed making things so that seemed to embrace another um interest of mine because i'd also done uh, a level pottery i then went on to do a multi-disciplinary course at north staffs it's really suited me in the first term we were a uh, Able to try three or four different disciplines. And I chose glass uh, blowing, uh, screen printing, metalwork, yeah. product. But that sort of gave me a really good feel for other medium and other ways of approaching a uh, design solutions. But ultimately, I did choose product design. And that's the route that I took. When I first graduated, I initially became a freelance. I had a studio space in Burnley, within the Weavers Triangle, and I got a few good clients. The main one being Prestige Group, and enjoyed uh, quite a few years working with them on new concepts and also uh, producing scale models for the marketing department. And that sort of honed my 3D making skills, which has come into more use in the latter years regarding doing sculpture. I ultimately accepted an offer to become uh, an employee Uh, after being self-employed for for a number of years, during which time I also had um, a year's consult, association with um, an agency in Paris called ACME, which was my first taste of uh, international designing. The first um, real job uh, was to design reading spectacles for Essilor, which is the biggest spectacle manufacturer in France, it was a completely unique experience in terms of how, how to work, in terms of um, being part of a team. And on the first um, outing with this group, we were put up in a hotel on the north coast of France, Le Turquet, with the MD and the directors and the R&D department of Essilor. And for the first day or so, we just introduced ourselves through play. Uh, It was the most informal gathering I'd ever experienced uh, until that stage. And we didn't seem to do anything relating to spectacles or glass design at all, until the last day when we literally were given all the materials we needed and the day in a hotel room to design anything that we could formulate and as outlandish as you wanted and the results were actually incredible and it was the first time that i was I was exposed to a different way of working and and trying to think outside the box and that that experience uh put me in good stead in terms of um it can create uh, a unique environment uh, the results can be uh, quite staggering I worked at uh, the prestige group in Burnley for a, a couple of years, and then there was a the management buyout. And I was working, started working for a, a department, which was the medical side, which was a new placing division of the prestige group. And I got on particularly well with the, uh, the chief uh, the designer in that department. And I was, um, I was fortunate to be part of a brand new project which was to develop a a stovetop, for steriliser initially they were working with WHO and UNICEF and was a glorified pressure cooker and then I was employed to basically tart it up visually and create a product that looked uh, more user friendly and could be controlled electronically and ended up being part of the precious medical group for 16 years uh, designing all aspects of all the glaze and sterilizes a whole suite of instruments. That took me to, as I said, about 2007 when um, I was laid off and I decided that uh, I would re-embrace my origins um, of actually trying to survive as a freelancer and, and start working on projects that I felt as if were linked more with the uh, environment and more, more, more craft-based. So I have a design background and way of working, but now I um, express my way myself in a um, more natural, organic way of working, uh, inspired by local countryside and materials I find. When I uh, first started um, looking at a sculpture or or actually making things with natural materials, I I started initially working on uh, practical uh, products that could be utilised in the garden or as the home, but also utilising natural materials. During the winter months, it it would go quiet, and I would invariably go on a long walk, and I got in the habit of actually creating what I call spontaneous natural sculptures. In other words, I would just choose a location that I felt inspired by. And if it had a range of natural materials lying around, I'd then put them together, whether in an in abstract way or in a, a more more figurative um, form. And other than actually creating stone stacks, we got in the habit of doing over a period of time, within rivers, but because of the uh, availability of materials. I also found uh, the rivers were a good place to, to to actually sit and contemplate and also to um, experiment with natural form. The art of doing a stone stack uh, helps you with, the, with that's again a sense of materials. When you get a random large stone or pebble, and you find... The, the, the center of gravity, and, and you can and you can balance it. It's sort of it sort of brings you in tune with with natural materials and uh, your environment, as well as being a nice, quiet, a tranquil location. I also need to create temporary counterbalance pieces as well. I'd find um, a broken branch or um, a large twig that had been floating in the river, and and as you bounce it on a large boulder, and then add smaller pebbles at uh, the end of the driftwood. wood. This, this um, initial experimentation was taking place really around Pendle Waters at, at the time, which runs between Barraford and Ruffley. So I did a lot of work there, and I, I did build up quite a portfolio of images because with all these uh, natural pieces, um, they could last. they could last a few days, but ultimately, they're ephemeral and they they, they do disappear. So it relied on capturing the moment on camera, which is another of my hobbies and uh, passions. I um, I do like photography. When I first started doing a range of products that I could do myself, which was uh, benches, uh, seating, I linked my experience as a product designer and that's the contacts I'd made in the industry to actually source uh, possible materials. Ultimately, if they were scrap, that was the idea to try to create a unique range of products. Up from other people's uh, scrap, but ultimately I ended up on a, a far more practical solution and decided to create a, a new range of outdoor seating inspired by gabions. It's a cage arrangement where they're filled with stones, and you see them at the embankments of motorways. And and I initially. Played with this idea. It would have been around 2007 to 2008 on beaches that had that had pebbles, um, and I'd I'd actually mopped up some some unusual cage shapes, and then I filled them with the pebbles. And ultimately, I was going to use um, driftwood, but that proved to be difficult to actually find at the appropriate time. And the first unusual bench. I constructed was with um, an old surfboard that was counterleaped by the largest basket full of pebbles, and visually it was actually quite a powerful photograph, probably because of the location, and and also looked looked quite dramatic because of this quite large long board it just seemed to be floating, and that was my first foray into into working with well pebbles or stones. That's combining metalwork. With natural material. So I decided to work on a formal, a practical solution and come up with a design for a garden bench using the same principle. And that then took me on a, a different path, really. And I also discovered recycled plastic, which, which proved to be quite complementary in terms of offering um, an outdoor seating solution that was maintenance free. And that's what started me on the path of also offering um, outdoor furniture, as well as experimenting with uh, natural sculptures. I've done several memorial benches for fishermen around the area, and I've had uh, bench installations around quite a few local reservoirs. But also, I also did a um, commission for a a fisherman, a garden sculpture in stainless steel. And I made a whole series of uh, fish shaped pieces that were linked by a heavy gauge bent wire. So So it gave the illusion of actually swimming upstream. Most other items are actually bench-linked, where I've actually claimed the stone from from the yeah, from river banks to, to include within a bench, bench a design that, is, that then feels as if it is part of the environment because uh, it has elements of the uh, local materials in it. But the, I guess the respect with the rivers and the area is, is actually it's just uh, a constant. Uh, Draw on inspiration. There's one particular uh, location where I've actually photographed prototype uh, products. And um, again, it's a brook. It's down near to the big end, actually, uh, of Pendle, on the road between um, Barley and Downham. I think it's called uh, Pendle Hill and and Bridge down the bottom. But there's a brook, a personal road that comes off Pendle. And it has a few flat stone platforms, in fact, to the sides of this, uh, this river, where you can actually rest a product and uh, take a photo of it. But what really makes it, that location is the Pendle Hill backdrop. And it's such a quiet, a quiet spot as well. And you can actually look over towards uh, Point and Fell in another direction. So so, so I guess that's another river a uh, LinkedIn-spied uh, location that I'm obviously uh, drawn to on a regular basis. An uncle, I guess, was was, was a, a big influence on me. He was um, an architect. He, he would actually sketch and draw when he visited. And I was, I was always mesmerised. by this this incredible skill and also the imagination Uh, so from a very young age I was very fortunate to to be exposed to this um, very talented uh, individual and and, a very nice person. I I think I mentioned earlier that uh, at school I had the same art teacher from day one at senior school right through to to sixth form, uh, do my A levels, um, and he started, passed away earlier this year. And I was I was so uh, pleased that I, I did manage to, to actually catch up with him last autumn and spend a bit of time with him because he cause he was huge huge influence. He um, he was quite an aspirational uh, teacher. He was he was he was very different. From all other the teachers that I had at school in the way in the way he dressed and in uh, the way he interacted with his pupils he um, if I ever had any doubt um, about having a, an autistic talent he would <laughs> he would definitely put you right so he, he, uh, he was very very encouraging. he was also the first person to ever ask, to invite me to speak about uh, my career, he tracked me down and and wanted me to to give a talk to to, uh, his pupils on what it was like to be a product designer. And it was a real ego boost, but I also understood the importance of passing on your experiences and the message because, as I said uh, previously, I, I recalled it was a turning point for myself at the Burnley College, our foundation course, when this industrial designer came in to give a talk. You can't underestimate um, where an external influence may come from. So he, uh, he always, he was always very, very encouraging, but also um, he was also very proud of what I'd done um, as one of his pupils and that, uh, that has always, always, always kept with me. And I'm not alone i've got i've got've got other friends from school who also uh, took the same route and and it had the same impact on them as well. I've got two different hats really. I've got that of a, of a designer because that's what my degree is in product design and then i have one as an artist now i guess my influences as a designer with, with the likes of um kenneth grange who um he wants to design so many well-known everyday products i think everything from the tangled poise lamp to 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 cameras and 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 trains and uh, camera mixer so as a product designer and aesthetics and uh and uh, ergonomics uh, he was a big influence. Beyond that, there's also Philippe Stark, the French designer, who has proved to be very versatile in the range of products he actually works on. Mm-hmm. I've also taken similar routes in that I've never ever pigeonholed myself to any type of product or any any medium. As long as I feel as if I'm, I've got some creative influence and, and there is some artistic development involved. I've worked on a wide range of, uh, of uh, products from obviously, obviously domestic products uh, to the prestige group, but also I've also done jewellery design. I've even done done soundwriting. I've also designed a range of parts, cutlery, anything that involves a design process. I'm quite happy uh, to be working on, but I do to tend to keep things uh, simple I don't I don't believe in um, in in the elaborate or the inclusion of, of extra features or, or was it to too much uh, ornamentation I do love simple designs and they are the hardest to achieve so, so I, I I do strive for well simple lines um, simple forms which also are it goes on t- to my work now with nature. I still maintain those same 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 criteria. As a designer, whilst I was at looking for the prestige medical group. I was nominated for the Principal Designers' Prize in 2000. I'd been working on um, a smaller steriliser product specifically for the dental market and it was quite a revolutionary looking product at the time and the only one dedicated to uh, dental handpieces. The nomination has required me attending um, a gathering at the Design Council in London, within an an audience with the Prince Philip himself. The, some of the other nominees that year included the design team of the McLaren, the couple who designed the London Eye, Ives with the the Apple, uh, Cameron who designed um, Hot Air Balloons, another furniture designer, and me. It was actually the hot air balloon designer that actually won it, that year. but it, um, it was quite an um, exciting uh, exciting time and to mingle with, uh, with some really big names in the, in, in the design world. And that was only really topped by a few years later to mark 10 years of this award that, as I was a previous nominee, I was invited to Buckingham Palace, where I got a chance to meet and chat to the likes of, uh, of Hemingway and, uh, and Jeff Bank and Dyson. So, so it was uh, quite an exciting time and um, a great highlight. In terms of um, working as an um, artist, environmental artist, sculptor, been able to do a large-scale install on Pendle Hill, ever to be one, but um, I guess it's um, a huge achievement on scale alone. Uh, I'd never attempted or even even experimented with anything like this previously. Um because I was really determined to actually do something on the hill, which I thought about previous years, uh, never permanent, but uh, as an artist, I had to make a mark, it was sort of the biggest uh, canvas in, in the area. <laughs> and so when the opportunity arose to mark the 400th anniversary of the Pendle Witches trial, this ambition was realised, and uh, I have actually conducted uh, three other installs on the hill since. But as the sixteen twelve was the first, the first one, uh, that will always be cherished achievement in my eyes. Both actually a uh, physical achievement and also experiencing a wide. Mixed emotions of, of the uh, of the public response was also a, an eye opener. In the same year, I um, I started the uh, the first series of, of natural sculptures at Aiking Wood, which is now the Pendle uh, Sculpture Trail, which I uh, I got to know quite well through doing the 1612 install on Pendle Hill because it's, it was the best vantage point square on to the hill itself at elevation for me to get my head around how to go about putting these huge numbers and having them square and that it looking right, perspective-wise. The install on the hill and also the Pendle Sculptor Trail have been hugely beneficial in terms of the launching me as an artist, as um, a sculptor. And I guess the most exciting location I've worked on through that has been doing an install, uh, a permanent one, in Moscow. It's uh, a place called The Village, where, where there's quite a few rich oligarchs live. And um, I got through the wonders of the World Wide Web and, and posting images of my creations on the, on the Sculpture Trail. I was invited to create uh, several pieces in the grounds of a very large house just outside of Moscow, and that was, I guess, up to date, has been the most exciting uh, job opportunity destination. And I also ended up going over three times in in that year, which was uh, 2014, and also experienced different weathers. The first time was in the first week of March; it was cold. Uh, I think I was the only foolish person around who didn't wear a hat. As I, as I come from the north of England, I didn't think a uh, hat was needed, but they are in those places. I then experienced the spring, which was uh, very pleasant, and then I did the major installs in July, and it was unbearably hot. So a huge continent with, um, with actually challenging uh, weather conditions. Well, this year, it started well. Two exciting projects with the uh, River Trust. One was um, designing and installing a series of photography points. Invited you to uh, take an image on your mobile phone at particular locations and then share them online. And there was uh, four four locations around Lancashire. And also install a first bench over at Whitton Park. I also had um, a couple of interesting um, garden projects for private clients. But as with everything else at the moment, it's on hold. So in terms of how this year panning out and where it's going to lead, it hasn't impeded my creative process um, because I manage a daily walk. I'm also very fortunate I can uh, I can head through fields at the back of the house and uh, and through woodland and not encounter many people. And because it is actually much quieter, I'm actually uh, uh, getting a lot of uh, great nature shots. And also, I've, I've actually uh, started some little, little projects of my own from this particular uh, hawthorn tree with a backdrop of Pendle Hill, from the Saturn side, that is, um, that I'm actually photographing every week from the same spot and seeing how that fills out and changes and responds to the environment, as well as doing um, a bit of uh, spontaneous uh, land art and finding natural pieces of material um, that I carry back. That I use for inspiration, or on little projects, which I uh, have no problem uh, being actually motivated to do. I, uh, I enjoy working on ideas, and it is an opportunity to actually try out concepts and, um, and different um, different thought tracks, which doing a normal. Uh, a busy year, you find it's actually hard to find time to, to actually devote attention to, but this has been uh, a daddy opportunity. So I have embraced that aspect of it. I guess it's just um, the lack of being able to actually uh, travel further appealed is the biggest uh, change at the moment. So the year will, will obviously take a different route, but in terms of a creative process, it's uh, it's most of an exciting one because um, I'm going to end up with um, a body of work now which has been um, forced through a change of circumstances and also very lucky that the weather has allowed for exi- outside exploration and uh, at the moment I'm thinking that I can uh, possibly have an exhibition of, of work which has been... Initiated by these current um, circumstances, um, strange as they are, it does offer different opportunities. So, it's try and look on the positive side. It will have um, ho- hopefully a different but exciting outcome. Our Talking Rivers series of audio productions has been brought to you by Ribble Rivers Trust as part of the Ribble Life Together project. It celebrates the rich cultural, social and natural heritage of the ribble catchment. Creating the series has been made possible by National Lottery players through the Heritage Fund. For more episodes and information, visit ribblelifetogether.org.